This episode of Barrel Tasting with Howard Fletcher is brought to you by my friends at 10th Ward Distilling Company. 10th Ward Distilling Company is a woman-owned craft distillery located in the heart of historic downtown Frederick, Maryland. Known for their non-traditional and unconventional approach, 10th Ward produces a variety of spirits, including whiskey, which is really delicious, gin, limited one-time only releases, and Maryland's first and only absinthe. And let me tell you folks, that's something special. You can visit their cocktail lab and barrel room in downtown Frederick for tastings, spirit flights, cocktail creations, tours, and private events. Listen, check them out at their website at 10thwarddistilling.com. That's T-E-N-T-H, warddistilling.com. For more information or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at 10th Ward Co. T-E-N-T-H-W-A-R-D-C-O. And now, Asia... Let's get this thing started. It was a it was a bit of a of an experiment. Um, I think uh, when I initially brewed it, it was in the summertime, right? So I wanted something light, something that wasn't going to be too um, heavy in alcohol, something that could be kind of sessionable, meaning you can have you know more than one and enjoy them. Always been a fan of wheat beer. I um, also like pale ales and IPAs. So kind of came up with a hybrid. Um, I wanted to keep that kind of noble essence that's associated with the Belgian wit. So there's some noble hops as well as some American hops. And that's kind of how it how it came to fruition. This is Barrel Tasting with Howard Fletcher, a podcast that shines a light on the best winemakers, craft brewers, and spirit distillers in the DMV. So grab a glass of your favorite adult beverage. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and let's get started. Thank you, Asia. Hello and welcome to Barrel Tasting. I'm Howard Fletcher. Today we dive right back into the world of craft beer, this time in a place that I know and love because I was born there, the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C. But first, I want to ask you in advance to please subscribe and rate the podcast. Now, a lot of you have already done this, but if you haven't done so already, please do it because it helps the podcast grow. And we're growing by leaps and bounds, but I want to get it out to more people because, as you all know, I want to get the word out about the craft beverage culture in the DMV. Today, my guests are entrepreneurs and partners in DC's thriving craft beer industry. Elliot Johnson and Jahi Warts are co-founders of Soul Mega Brewing. Now, Soul Mega's mission is to be recognized in the craft beer industry for their, quote, stylistically unstyled craft beer offerings and to create a culture that embraces creativity and inclusion. They told me that Soul Mega means the embodiment of something great. It represents their vision for the company and their belief that their dream will manifest much larger than they can presently imagine. That's a lot. <laughs> Soul Mega serves as a reminder to the limitless potential of the human spirit. Listen, all I know is that I've been hearing about these guys' product all around the city, and I finally tracked them down. So I'm going to let them tell you the rest of the story. What you're going to hear next is a recording of the conversation I had with L.A. Johnson and Jahi Warts, socially distanced over Zoom, and we had it just hours after the inauguration of Joseph R. Biden as the 46th president of the United States. Yeah, it's been a busy year already. <laughs> so here is the story of Soul Mega Brewing. Let's all raise a glass. All right. Well, I have some really special guests on the show today. I have the owners of Soul Mega Brewing. Uh, these are some brothers that are in D.C., that uh, they're the first uh, business, actually, oh, no, I've talked to one distiller, but I haven't had any brewers 
who uh, operate their business or base their business in the District of Columbia. And I also haven't had any uh, black owned business owners here, which I really, being one myself, I really <laughs> like to hear about how they do business. So I'd like to welcome Elliot Johnson and Jahi Warts. They're both co-founders of Soul Mega Brewing. So guys, thanks for being on the show. Hey, what's Thanks, up, man? Good afternoon. Okay. Um, let's see how we're going to do, do this. Let me start with you, Elliot, since that's the way you have it on your paper. Um, Elliot, what is your role with the business? What do you do? And um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, okay. Well, I'm uh, from Chicago originally. I uh, graduated from Howard University, class of 09, School of Business. Uh, my role with Soul Mega is uh, more co-founder and CEO, and I'm kind of responsible for all of our, like, marketing strategy, sales, and our distribution. Uh -huh. um, see, I've been in D.C. for about 16 years almost. Um, and I like to travel. I love drinking beer and riding my bike and um, seeing people smiling and sharing our gift of craft. If you weren't from Chicago, you'd claim D.C., but I know enough if people from If I was from Indiana, I might be claiming. Yeah, uh, yeah, because you've been here long enough. You've been here long enough, but yeah, you're going to claim Chicago for the rest of your life. Okay, Jackie, <laughs> what, uh, what do you do? What's your uh, role with, the, with Soul Mega? And tell me a little bit about yourself. All right, so I'm co-founder as well. Um, my main role is um, product development and um, beer operations. Um, so basically, I'm, I'm the, the brewer. Right. Um, you know, the worldwide um, is, is a beer that, um, you know, I developed with the help of Elliot. Um, we've been brewing for about at least 10 years prior to actually um, getting into business. So um, a lot of experience there, um, a lot of test batches that we've uh, provided to many, many of our supporters um, who've always provided good, um, good feedback. Uh, but, yeah, a little of my background. I'm a, I'm a Midwest guy like Elliot um, from St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, business background. Uh, been in DC now um, almost 20 years. Um, I think it'll be 20 years. It is 20 years, five days ago. That's a trip, man. How time flies. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, so been around a, lot, a, a while here in this city. I love it. Um, can't see myself living any other place. Um, in terms of things I like to do right now, my life's a little more um, complex. You know, I have a, a wife and two kids who are young. Um, so a lot of my time is spent, um, you know, taking care of the home front. Uh, but when I'm not doing that, you know, I like to sip a good beer, watch a good movie. Just got my um, home system updated. So I'm running my, my, my family out of here with all the base. But um, <laughs> got to have something that you like to do, right? And that's my right. thing. So, yeah, I'll leave it there. So how long have you two guys known each other? I guess it has to be at least right? 10 years. Yeah, yeah, because it was my 10-year wedding anniversary in October. I think I met Elliot that spring. Um, the year I got married, so it's ten and change. Yeah, spring, summer, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Mo all, most all the brewers I meet, I have met, uh, started home brewing, and that's how they got into it. Did you guys home brew separately and meet each other, or did you guys get into it together? Yeah, you you, you caught it on the first one. So we home brewed separately, and then we ended up meeting each other through work through a work colleague. Okay. So when did you first have the idea of going into business for yourself, you know, uh, of collaborating and then founding a business? Um, I want to say five years ago, maybe. Uh -huh. I think we had been making the homebrew batches for a while at that point. And I kind of presented him the idea like, yo, like we could sell this and like, you know, get a chance to 
enter into the market that was at that point not so competitive, but it was still new. You know, craft beer is still kind of new. And so, uh, yeah, I think we ended up coming up with the original idea to start a company like five years ago. We've been officially in business for almost two years. and We've been in the market for like a year and a half. What kind of beer were you brewing? I mean, style of beer were you brewing then before uh, Soul Mega, before you actually went into business? Did you experiment with different styles or did you uh, kind of specialize in something? I think we did a, a number of different brews. Yeah, I mean, Elliot and I, I mean, in terms of our beer likings, it's, it's, it's varied, right? So Pale Ales, IPAs, Stouts, Porter. Um, we definitely beers. did all of those. Yeah, wheat beers. Um, you made a beet beer one time. It was pretty cool, like a like a yeah. beet puree. Um, yeah, we did a Belgian yeah. Belgian IPA. Belgian IPA. Um, pretty much every style you could think of. Um, I've never brewed an amber ale or an ESB um, or a pilsner, but all most of the ale categories we tried. Now those are probably in our, our, our least favorite category, which is why we didn't <laughs> Yeah, <grow>. right. <laughs> I put Amber at the bottom. So you're, you, from what I can see, you officially launched your company or started producing beer in 2019. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. Okay. Now, please correct me if I get any of this wrong. I'm sure you will. So far, all of the brewers that I've spoken with have their own facility. They're, they're usually selling beer out of their brewery. Uh, whether that be a garage or it's a, you know, full-fledged big operation. I don't think that's your business model right now. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, currently, we utilize something called contract brewing. Mm-hmm. where We work with an existing brewery to manufacture our recipes for us. And tell me a little bit about that, because you guys are the first con- guys who I've spoken to who are doing that and actually selling the beer. I know some people who do that just to make their own home batch, but tell me how that that works. Cool. I mean, uh, well, I, I think for us, um, I think we ultimately decided to land on that particular market entry strategy because it was um, low cost and feasible for what we could do at that time. Uh-huh. Um, I know a lot of people do like they, they jump in and maybe they'll do like collaborations where they'll just put their name on somebody else's beer. Um, that really wasn't what we were looking for. We were trying to kind of make a name for ourselves uh-huh. and kind of solidify our brand. So, you know, it has pros and cons. I think uh, one of the pros is that um, you get to start a company uh, with less risk than you would happen to build infrastructure. Obviously, the cons are um, production demand, scheduling, um, location, um, you know, the ability to maybe interact with the consumer. Um, Obviously, like you said, people can't come to our tap room, but they will one day. So for us, it was just a way to start. It's not a means to an end, but it's a way to build the brand responsibly at a manageable pace. Yeah. And the guys are pretty cool. We're we're learning to work with them. Um, They're pretty new as well. I think they're about four years old. So I think it's like a learning experience for both of us. So the the actual product, and I'll talk to Jahi about this. What product, which it's worldwide, I believe is the name of the beer the Soul Mega is producing now. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Tell me about the beer in the can, Jahi. How did you uh, how did you all decide on what you're going to launch with? And um, yeah, tell me how that whole thing happened. It was a it was a bit of a of an experiment. Um, I think uh, when I initially brewed it, it was in the summertime, right? So I wanted something light, something that wasn't going to be too um, heavy in alcohol, something that could be kind of sessionable, meaning you can have you know more than one and enjoy them. 
Um, always been a fan of wheat beer. Um, also like parallels and IPAs. So kind of came up with a hybrid. Um, I wanted to keep that kind of noble essence that's associated with the Belgian wit. So there's some noble hops as well as some American hops. And that's kind of how it, how it came to fruition. Um, just really more of a hybrid kind of beer that kind of touched both, both fronts in terms of noble and in terms of American. And I think both of those blend very well. Um, you have citrus essence, you have a tropical essence. I mean, you have something that's not totally full body, but a nice, good medium body. You get some, you know, viscosity when you, when you did it, you feel that, you feel that. So um, yeah, that's um, that's kind of how it came how it came about, and then there was various iterations, right? I mean, it wasn't perfect to start, but definitely knew we had had a winner, so we just continued to refine it um, until we got it where we where it is now. Yeah, the thing about us is pretty cool. Is like, um, so we we had invested in a homebrew system while we were like kind of perfecting our craft, mm-hmm. and then we were using the output of that system to have like what I was what I would call now is like grassroots like um, R and D like testing i guess so we would have like events and like little like tasting events where we would bring um this particular recipe or a variation of it along with other ones and get feedback from the uh potential consumer and so what we were doing is every time we threw in a beer event uh so our company pretty much started event based we weren't selling we've been selling beer since 19 but we found the company in 18. Um, And so from like 17 to 18, we were doing like little pop-ups or whatever. It's kind of the essence of our, of our brand to date minus COVID. Um, And people really like this particular style. And so that's how we kind of chose to scale it up. And that's kind of our, um, kind of like our plan for future batches. Like we test at the ground level until we get an understanding of the product and then we scale up. So right now you've, you've launched it worldwide and, Mm -hmm. uh, Things are, things are going well. You're, you're selling. You've uh, got a successful company going. At what point do you expand the brand, the, the, the offering? Yeah, you know, it's funny you said it because I, I think now that we've got a year, almost a year and a half in business, we're starting to um, explore um, other product offerings. You know, we've got a pretty stable distribution channel right now. We're in 18 locations in the city. Uh, and so um, we do have a collaboration that we're – can I talk about the collaboration yet, Johnny? Yeah. Okay. So we do have a collaboration beer coming with Calvert. Uh, so that'll be our next one that we launch in the spring. It'll be a black lager. Oh, so, nice. um, yeah. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Um, I'm pretty excited because that'll be our chance to start showing some of our versatility. Uh, but, but we do believe worldwide is a year round flagship beer, uh-huh. but we do plan to manufacture more uh, seasonals, one-offs and flagships in the future. What have you found to be some of the, the challenges that you didn't maybe expect to run into when you all said, Hey, let's, we could sell this. So let's go ahead and do this. Tell, tell, tell me a little bit about what might've been a barrier, maybe not a barrier, uh, just a learning experience along the way that you didn't expect. From everybody I had spoke to uh-huh. um, the only type, like the only risk I think that I was aware of or like challenge I was aware of was just things cost more than you think across the board. <laughs> Um, so whatever you think it costs, pad it because uh, we work in a commodities-based business, basically. I mean, price of goods fluctuates. But then, you know, I thought that, you know, eye-opening just from us starting the business, the government regulation hurdle was something yeah. that I didn't anticipate. Also, we also did this during uh, the shutdown, right? Mm. We started in the government shutdown. And so that mm. kind of derailed us a little bit. And then the 
particular stakeholders of these individual licenses and parts that you need before you start. That was kind of challenging. COVID obviously is probably our biggest challenge. That'll be the one we tell our grandkids most likely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but starting a business and being in, in market for four months and then COVID hitting, you know. Well, your structure, I mean, your, your structure might've been, you know, I'm sure you'd love to have your own place, your own brewery. However, since you don't, it's kind of good you don't have it during this time. <laughs> I hate to say, you're yeah, right. Definitely yeah, from that aspect, we are insulated. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely yeah. insulated a bit for, from that aspect. Yeah, we're very fortunate to be able to continue doing what we do, um, given the external factors that could have derailed us further. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think the government regulation um, and some of the political and like external economic factors mm -hmm. are are pretty much the biggest ones. But on another note, though, I mean, even with COVID um, and the social unrest, I mean, Solmega has seen a boom um, even during dire times. You know, we yeah, got a lot we, of interest. Yeah. So how do you... We have seen that. You, I know you mentioned the uh, events, but, okay, given COVID, you, uh, you can't have as many events as, as you did or any at all. So how have you been promoting your brand? How have you been uh, advertising it? You said you had a kind of a boom or an increase. So how, is, how have you been marketing yourself? Social media. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so for us, uh, since the shutdown, um, I think our approach has pretty much just been like social media content and um, where we can strategic partnerships with places that are open. Like we did a pretty cool like a pop-up event in the Maidan Alley this summer where mm -hmm. it wasn't our event. Usually we produce our own events. We'll do the whole thing ourselves but we were a vendor for someone else's and they had a bunch of different vendors there. And it was like a kind of like a farmer's market vibe, but yeah. it was for like uh, people in the mixology industry. And so I think, um, yeah, you utilizing our retail accounts to promote on our behalf and then using social media has pretty much been our, our bread and butter since COVID. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned at the beginning of the, the show, I am a, a black journalist. And I, you know, when I go around and talk to people in the craft beverage industry, let me back up. DC, I'm a native Washingtonian. One thing I, I take pride in about the city, and I know people from other large metropolitan areas, Chicago and New York, stuff, but I think DC, at least if you're my age, um, and I'm in my 50s, one thing that we took pride in is that we had a pretty sophisticated black community Black American community here in D.C. relative to some other places in the country. And so usually when there's a, a something that is catching on, in this case, let's talk about craft beer. Usually the black community in D.C. is on top of that. So and that's the case with craft beer, at least in my uh, experience. However, I don't see it on the production side. And so, you know, if this isn't a question I tend to ask some of the other people I interview, because how do they know? I don't know. I'm not going to ask them, why do you think black people aren't in this business? But is it, do you think it's just uh, because there's not enough exposure to it? Or is there a barrier to entry? Tell me, why do you think, you, you know, I've run into as many African-Americans who are in the craft beverage business? Yeah, well, you know, I think, I think you're hitting... I think you spoke on a lot of those already. I, I think it's a combo. Like you've got some of the financial barriers to entry, which depending on where route you want to go can be extremely high. I also think that, and 
I kind of grew up in the beer industry a little bit. And so like, I can only speak from, I guess, the perspective of what I've seen and what my father tells me. But I think historically, Black people haven't been the target market for major beer companies, right? So I'm sure like we can talk about the 40s and like some of the liquor store vibes, but that's not really something to promote us. That's like a, a give a miss, you know, because we got to put it on paper thing. I think a lot of our community just isn't exposed to the possibility because it's not in front of them. Uh-huh. And I think maybe that's um, one of the reasons outside of the financial aspect. I mean, you just, you look at, if you look at all the craft breweries across the United States, I mean, the black owned ones are less than 1% and you have to look at where those less than 1% are located. They're, yeah. they're, I think most of them are in pretty populous cities. Sure. But the majority of these craft beer companies are in places that we don't necessarily live either. I mean, the Midwest, the South, some of the neighborhoods, like the farmhouse ale places, and the manufacturing plants that are in more rural areas. So um, I think we're going to see more and more people of color getting into the industry going forward when they can see people like Jahi and I and say, oh, OK, like they're doing it. Right. So we can do it, too. And I think that's really important. There's a lot of people out there who are advocating for that stuff right now um, in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think we also too have to, I think from my perspective, um, you know, even growing up in my community, craft beer, although it existed, wasn't a beer that a lot of my peers partook of. Um, It was like Michelob, MJD, Budweiser, Coronas. Um, So part of it is getting people exposed um, to craft beer um, because we do want to engage um, the African-American community, um, you know, as well as women, people who don't um, partake as much. Those are the areas that we want to get into. So that's part of it as well. Yeah, well, and that's why I preface the whole thing with, uh, of course, I like to talk about D.C., but about D.C. as opposed to, say, some other areas of the country, because right. my experience has been that before I started doing this podcast, my assumption would have been, well, there aren't as many people of color in this industry just because there's, there's not as much exposure. They just don't know about the product. But in going around to these businesses, that's not the case. A lot of their uh, clientele are people of color. So there's a reason yeah. why they're not going into the business. And I think, you know, you answered that quite well. It has a lot to do with just, uh, you know, orientation and no and even thinking of considering ways to go into it. And I think also there's the thought of, OK, I can't afford to buy to, to get this facility so therefore, it's I, there's no way I can do it, and I think you guys. Have yeah, fun. that's. I think that's the main one when people think about that, and then you you can. I mean, there's so many. Like I, I know there's a woman named Dr. J who works with the Craft Brewers Association. She doesn't brew, mm-hmm. right? But she's pretty high up in helping people who want to do that make it happen. You don't have to be a brewer to be in the industry. You could you know buy a trucking business and transport it you could market it with you can throw festivals like you you could have a a blog where you review the beer and like people can watch it you can have a podcast we've seen all these so it's i think i I think when people understand um the different avenues to get involved more you'll see a a spike because people like i mean people like craft beer yeah People yeah. will drink Michelob when it's in the club, but they'd probably rather buy an alcoholic beverage than the beer at that, at that point, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. Like, you know, you, and I, I think it's, I always, I'm pretty big stickler on like looking at what's available when I go out places. Like you go to the grocery store, you can look, you can look at the shelf. You can see what's on there. You know that some of those companies are owned by the same company. You go to the club, 
I mean, I'm I'm kind of phasing out of the club, but I'll still go. <laughs> Heineken, Corona, Amstel Light. Those are all owned by the same big gold brand, and they package that beer with the probably the Diageo, the Hennessy, the Grey Goose, and that's what the club owners get. So, yeah. you know, if you go in sports bars, Budweiser, Bud Light, Miller, Blue Moon, they're all owned by the same company. Yeah. So I think that's why people don't, you know, it's like, I don't want to drink. I'd rather order a Grey Goose and soda than a Michelob. So I'm, now I'm drinking Grey Goose. So, right. you know. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of that, I, that's the reason why I have this podcast. I want to promote the craft beverage makers in this region because I think it's some of the best in the nation. And I definitely want to pro- uh, help promote some of the smaller producers and definitely minority owned or, or, or owners of color uh, or producers of color and women owned businesses because uh, people need to know about them and they get exposure. So with the time we have left, please uh, both of you, I'd like to tell me, tell the audience, our listeners about how, where they can find Soul Mega, um, what they can do to help support, to find your product, to help support what you're trying to do. I will also put all of your contact information in the show notes. So, you know, you say that you communicate to people through, through social media. So wherever, let me know what you have and I'll put it in the show notes. So Jahi, Jahi, what do you, would you like people to know about your, your business and how can we find it? Well, um, definitely find us at um, our website, which is www.soulmega.com. Um, within there, you'll be able to find all of the um, places where um, we provide our beer and that includes bars as well as restaurants. Um, so that's, that's the first step. Um, I kind of let Elliot take it from there. This is more, more of his area. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, like Jai, he said, soulmega.com is your first source to find out everything about us. We, we have our, um, media, our appearances. says you can learn a bit more about our brand, our product. If you go to the contact us section and scroll down, you'll see all of the accounts that we're in with the, uh, website and the actual address. Um, also, if you live in D.C., you can have beer delivered to your door every Saturday uh, via Beer Me. Um, and that's also available on our website under the Beer Me uh, option up top on the screen there. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Soul Mega DC, And a lot of our content is published there. So if you want to keep up with the most latest things, I would definitely recommend you follow us. And also join our mailing list, which you can sign up on our website. What else? You know, um, I just want to say that we're we're a brand new craft beer company. We're a really cool brand. We're passionate about our product. We're passionate about city. Um, and so I think that um, you guys will enjoy our product and all the products we're rolled out into the future. And when outside opens back up, make sure you look out for our events because they're some of the best in the city. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys for taking the time out of your busy schedule. To this is cool, man. Thank you, man. And yeah, appreciate uh, I, yeah. Oh, no problem. I'm going to be, uh, I think I'll go do the beer me thing now because I know that you guys are carried down at, uh, at Calvert Woodley. If any of you all live near that, that uh, store, that's really one place you can get Soul Mega. I, I haven't had the chance to run down there, but I'll beer myself if I don't run down there. So, so you guys. Yeah, if you live in D.C., we'll deliver to you. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. So just make sure you're, yeah, so it's D.C. only right now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the closest one uptown would be Calvert Woodley, but we're also in, you know, Mr. Braxton, which is a black-owned restaurant mm-hmm. in Petworth. Mm-hmm. Um, they have really good food. And we're also in the Union Market area, 8th Street, you know, Southwest Waterfront, 
U Street now and the Northeast. Howard area campus. Yeah, Northeast, kind of off North Capitol at Pub and the People. So yeah, I mean, we're in a, we're in a few places. So okay. check our website, the contact us section. You can see all the places we're at. Well, one way you can help business owners out like like these guys is if you go to a restaurant, forget the list. Ask them, ask them if they have Soul Mega B, ask them if they have Worldwide. And if you ask them enough times and they don't have it, they will have it. So yeah, bingo. Yeah. If, if there's a place you want our beer and you don't see it, let the uh, people know and um, they, we can definitely reach out to them. Um, and if you are in a place that has our beer and you're drinking it, please tag us on Instagram. Indeed. Fantastic. Okay, guys. Listen, thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Howard. Take care. Well, that's another show in the books. I had a great time speaking with Elliot and Jahi of Soul Mega Brewing. If you live near or in the DMV, or if you're planning on visiting the nation's capital anytime soon, do yourself a favor and go to the Soul Mega website and see where you can grab a nice, cold, worldwide American pale ale. And please, whoever you buy it from, wherever you get it, tell them that you heard about it on Barrel Tasting with Howard Fletcher. (laughs) I'd like to thank the Soul Mega team for taking time out of their very busy schedules to be guests on my show. Elliot and Jahi, you guys are always welcome to come on to discuss all things food, all things craft beer, and all things DC related. I'm all about promoting the craft beverage industry in the DMV because it's some of the best in the nation. And if you agree with that statement, please share the podcast. The more it grows, the more I can get the word out about the craft beverage culture in the area, as we natives like to say. This show was written, produced, mixed, birthed, and messed up a little bit by yours truly, Howard Fletcher. I'll be back next week with another craft beverage maker in the DMV to introduce to you. I know there's a ton of media you could be listening to right now besides me, and so that's why I work so hard to bring you the content that I do. I truly appreciate the time investment that you make in this, in me and in this show. So thanks again for listening. Remember, always have a designated driver, so I'll be able to see you next time. East Vicata. You have been listening to Barrel Tasting with Howard Fletcher, part of the Fletcher Podcast Group. You can reach Howard at his website, barreltastingpod.com. I'm Asia Blue. Thanks for listening. See you next time.